Mate, we covered three states today. Yeah, we did. And the thing that I took out of it is that the the Brisbane Carnival is really starting to heat up. Yeah. That's all, that's all I really care about, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And in probably the feature race of the day, um, full credit to the sponsors of that race as well. Um, but I think I've found one of the great get-out-of-the-casino bets of all time, and you'll actually be able to see that on my Ned's profile this weekend as well. Yes, uh, the Ned's profile is great, mate. Um you know, if you want to follow us in, if you followed uh, us in last week, you would have found a couple that's for sure. Maybe you find some more this week at some value, but uh, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But still, you can do everything else with the Neds app. You can get weird and exotic as well with the Neds same race multi. And, you know, there's no one else I'd rather bet with heading into the Brisbane Winter Carnival. Well, they also have a black book feature there, so you can black book ones for these prep runs into their grand finals. They have the futures markets there. You can do all that good stuff mm-hmm. with the good people at Neds. Mm-hmm. Damn right. But what are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Look, I've prepared a little something, so I'm just going to get my reading glasses out here. It's very official. Okay. 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 So, we, the founders of this podcast and members of the Polo Punk Club, have been bestowed the responsibility that absolutely no one asked for and have handpicked a representative side of horses that will do their trainers, owners, riders, punters, and most importantly, themselves proud. And just like that, mate, the autumn's done. Yeah, it was a mixed carnival for some. Actually, probably for a lot. Not for the bookies, though. No, and they definitely need more cash by the sounds of it. Yeah. After recording growth uh, in the absolute like highest possible ecleons of percentages <laughs> across all of their online betting... Yes. Uh, for the last sort of 12 to 18 months, every single bookie has made a killing. I know. And, and we've just helped them out even more. Yeah, they've got plenty of mine. They're playing with mine, but uh, hopefully in the spring and over the... Not even the spring, hopefully the winter, I'll be playing with theirs once more. Yeah, on our home turf, mate. <laughs> yes, at uh, dreaded Eagle Farm, but hopefully Doombin plays well. Yeah, hopefully. Well, look, we got one up on the bookies on the weekend, so... Yes, colding. Yeah. Well done, old boy. But um, before we get into all of that type of content, mate, how uh, I just wanted to bring something to the table that I yeah that I thought was interesting because I've just really discovered this uh, this universe which mm. um, I've been talking to you recently about. But Pokemon cards, yeah, not horses. <laughs> it is ridiculous it what is, they're doing. It is absurd. Yeah. So, I watched, I watched a video of this bloke and the reason why I got onto this is because I started up a TikTok account for Polo Punk Club and mm. just basically been putting the exact same Instagram videos on there so you're not missing much. Um, <laughs> but on the home screen, I just then see like the Pokemon card like reveal videos and it's, yeah, it's got me hooked. So, oh, yeah. went digging on YouTube, found this bloke 
And it was basically this reaction video of him watching this other video of this punter in the UK who basically found a secret stash of Pokemon cards. Right. First generation ones. So, the holy grail of those, if you're not aware, is the Charizard ones. They can get up to how much, roughly? Uh, it all depends on the grading. Don't know if you want to go into that level of detail, but if if it gets graded to the highest possible grading that can be, which is basically in mint condition without any defects on the card, a first edition Charizard can be worth two hundred to $300,000. So, we're talking serious cash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this bloke... Gets basically is uh, recording a video in his basement and an appropriate place to have Pokemon cards, I might add. But he, mm. his stash, he had a stack of binders, I'd say a meter high of just old Pokemon cards back in the Holy day. Holy dooly. Had like the booster pack boxes. He mm. had like six of them, like unwrapped. So this guy was on an absolute gold mine. Gold mine. So he didn't open any of the. So packs. all still sealed. Yeah, all oh. still sealed. So what he did was get all the cards that were in the binders. I shit you not, he had three piles as big as my losing tickets over the autumn. <laughs> it was enormous. That's big. I'd say yay big. So you know, a, two or three inches. A can. A can. Picture of a can of bloke. Yeah. And if you can't picture it, go onto our YouTube yeah. channel. <laughs> and it's sitting right behind you. Yeah. A can of bloke. Imagine that. Mm. High of Venusaurs, Blastoids, and Charizards. Or holographic. Yeah. Holy moly. He, mate, he, it was ridiculous. It was like a 60 to 100 of them or something. Oh, no way. And this, this bloke who's been literally, he's been collecting these cards for basically his entire life. He just can't believe this bloke. So, he was doing the maths. He's like, oh, one in 32, you get like a holographic card or whatever. And um, he's like, this prick would have to have bought 60,000 booster packs to get that many. Holy jeez, yeah. It's it's an incredible, um, over the last 12 months, the, the prices of these cards has just absolutely skyrocketed. And it's... Largely off the back of some big YouTubers getting into it, namely Logan Paul uh, did a big opening on his podcast or YouTube channel or something like that of a first edition base set booster box of Pokemon cards, which are over 20 years old. And that's where you can get, yeah, like the the holographic Charizards and Blastoises and, and Venusaurs. And off the back of that, the prices for for pretty much all cards is now skyrocketed, and the demand for the newer sets that are being released now is still mm. incredible. They get sold out instantly. Like they basically have a say. It's a Wednesday that Target restocks over in the states. There's like a line of like a hundred people outside. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, right, so that's what caught my eye this week. <laughs> yeah. And basically, I was glued to YouTube during the week just watching that. That's how it started for me too. Like, obviously, I played a ton of Pokemon growing up. And like, I'll still dabble if I've got nothing to do. Like, I'll I'll play like a little ROM on the computer. Yes, yeah. I've illegally downloaded it. <laughs> and I'll, I'll muck around for a bit. Um, and so, yeah, I got, I got in a deep hole on YouTube of people opening packs mm. of cards, mm. which sounds boring as hell to it watch. It's not. not. It's not. It's really not. And that got me hooked. So, I was watching videos for a couple of months and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy some packs. 100%. And I did. 
Yes, of course you did. And it's fun. I'm not far behind you, I don't think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anything catch your eye this week? Oh, look, I wouldn't be a punter with the podcast if I didn't talk about the changes to Melbourne Cup. Yes. Uh, pretty significant. It came out yesterday. So, for those who aren't aware, I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you probably are. There was uh, a massive review of Melbourne Cup and essentially looking at horse welfare, particularly for horses that come from overseas to uh, attempt to win the Melbourne Cup because of, I guess, off the back of Anthony Van Dyke, unfortunately, having to be uh, euthanized uh, after breaking his leg in the race last year. And there's been, unfortunately, a history of particularly overseas horses, unfortunately, um, breaking down in the Melbourne Cup as well. So, mm. I did the appropriate thing and 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 went through uh, why that is and, and tried to find some recommendations. I think there was sort of 41 in total that they uh, have come out with for the Melbourne Cup. And the crux of it is essentially more rigid and strict testing of the horse before they leave where they're coming from once they get here. Um, also did a review of Werribee where all these horses are kept uh, leading into the race and – yeah, basically just need to do more rigid testing and they're only allowed to have one prior race to their start in the Melbourne Cup. So, yeah, that that caught my eye and I had a really good read of all the different punters and commentators and trainers and owners talking about that. And and to be honest, I'd say it's mostly positive rather than negative. Uh, obviously, the horse the horse's welfare is at the forefront of all our minds. So, mm. yeah, we'd just be keen to see what your thoughts were on that. I saw Charlie Fellow's say it'll be it'll be very hard for European trainers to bring him over. Now I I must admit I haven't really um gone into the depth that you have, but he's a bloke that's brought out Prince of Aaron three years in a row and he's saying that. Like I think that he should his opinion should be respected quite significantly. Yeah. I, I completely agree. On the flip side of that, Lloyd Williams who has owned seven winners of the Melbourne Cup, including Twilight Payment last year, said, if you want to bring a horse out from Europe, you'll still be able to. It'll mm. just be more hoops to jump through before they can get here. So, yeah, it's 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 complex. But I think if you ask you, you or I, hey, should they change anything about the Melbourne Cup and how international horses eventually get to be in the race. We'd both say, no, leave it as it is. Like, it is what it is. We're happy with the product. But if you asked potentially our girlfriends or your mum or something like that what their thoughts were about Mm. horses running in the Melbourne Cup, they'd probably have a different answer because we're in the universe and we understand it and we get that, unfortunately, it's just a part of it. But these horses are looked after so well. Yeah. But if you ask the person who only gets involved once or twice a year, it's probably not. So if you don't Melbourne Cup is that race for for the wider community, if that makes sense. Well, if it's not the most watched horse race worldwide, I'd be shocked. It would be one of. And that's where I think I disagree a bit. I think they do need to they do need to change it because in the last decade, there's been like six or seven deaths in it. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I agree. I think they need to change it. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, it's just not good enough. And um, I I agree that the horse, like the industry, 
is probably I think it's just bad circumstance, but it's also a bit too frequent because we watch a shitload of racing, mm. and there is occasionally horses that get put down. I think there was one on the weekend. Yeah, there was. Yeah, and in like the first. Yeah, so, but that is the first time that that's happened in my memory for two or three months. Like, yeah, that's the first one I can remember in the autumn. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah, so I think yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think the changes are good. Um, my point was more so the fact that if they kept it at the status quo, we wouldn't be up in arms. Yeah, but we understand the reasoning gotcha. between bef- as to why they need to make the change. So. Mm. Yeah, I found it interesting. I think it's good that they're doing something about it um, because I think overall it's good for the industry in order to, um, you know, keep interest and and keep the broader community um, from, you know, basically going off and teeing off of the race every year, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, Especially for Victoria as well. Victoria seems to be losing the racing battle with Sydney. Yeah. Oh, and Sydney's losing to Brisbane. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> who's losing to Hobart. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you look at Peter Volandis, he's just – he's the best thing that's happened to rugby league and <laughs> to racing. So, yeah, St. Peter. One of the greats. Okay, we're, we're changing things up this week. We're bringing something a bit special to all of the punters out there. So, we're excited to bring this to you. Mm. Look, I've prepared a little something, so I'm just going to get my reading glasses out here. It's very official. Okay. 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 So, we, the founders of this podcast and members <laughs> of the Polo Punk Club, have been bestowed the responsibility that absolutely no one asked for and have handpicked a representative side of horses <laughs> that will do their trainers, owners, riders, punters, and most importantly, themselves proud. We feel that this side of 13 horses would not only be out of pla- uh, not out of place on the hallowed turf of Suncorp Stadium, going against their namesake cousins, the Brisbane Broncos, without the necessary training. Um, but you might even say that this is a pointless, meaningless task that uh, holds absolutely no gravitas within the racing industry. I disagree. And you would be 100% correct. <laughs> But at the same time, I ask you, do you hate having fun? Do you not dare to dream? <laughs> With this in mind, it is our honour to name the first ever Horses for Courses representative side for the Polo Punk Club. The Autumn side, our representative side, basically who we think would be fantastic on a rugby league field, um, basically a representative side. So The first 13. The, the, first the fir- Autumn 13. 13. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm going to kick things off with the big number one on the back. Um, Love this girl, Crone. A Cinderella story, a veteran of five years. This girl took her game to another level this autumn. Plagued by handling errors and brain fades early in her career, Crone showed the tenacity to to show the doubters that that she isn't done with yet. And plenty of doubters there were. Winning at $51, $16, and $14 this prep. Stupid prices. This mare showed versatility in a Group 1 Coolmore Classic victory. A deserved fullback in any horse racing football side. (laughs) 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 Uh, Well done, Crying, the the fullback of the team of the autumn. So the first wing position is going to go to a dashing two-year-old. Place getter in the Blue Diamond. 
Golden Slipper as well and winner of the size produce shows an absolutely elite turn of foot, uh, which helps him to get outside the defender, find some space and kick away. Just give this young prodigy some ball in open space and it'll be hard to catch and he'll find the finish line before any other horse. A real in and away type. Real Josh Josh Addo car type. (laughs) And that's Animo, the first winger of the uh, team of the autumn. And if I'm not mistaken, the only two-year-old in this side. The only two-year-old in this side. Well-deserved. Yeah, so well-deserved Animo. Stay inside. Look, I know you're disappointed, but, you know, this boy consistently showed the tenacity to break his way into this side. And it's a hard side to get into. It is. All right. First center is um, Mars Crusader, the up-and-coming challenger to the king, Nature Strip. It might be, it really might be a case of he had to lose one to win one. It might be. This fellow was criticised from pillar to podcast, namely from <laughs> us throughout the spring. He ruined charity bets, multis, but all is now forgiven. He's a genuine Group One performer, winning the William Reed and finishing off strongly in the TJ. So, Mars Crusader, congratulations. And uh, pairing him in the other centre position is Colding. Now, this consistent gelding, he just won't let you down despite the conditions, right? He's going to run you a good race. But when it's a dry track, that's where he really shines. Several placings in Group 1s culminating in a great win in the all-age stakes uh, where he showed oh, so much ticker. It's too much. Way too much ticker. So he's going to give you 110% week in, week out. He's always going to give full credit to the boys. <laughs> he's going to be absolutely elite wherever he runs. You know what? He reminds me of another centre who's got a lot of ticker, Josh Morris. Yes. Origin Heroics a few years ago. He was down on the sideline injured. Yes. He runs back onto the field when Queensland made a break and made a try-saving tackle. Could have been his brother, Brett, but you wouldn't know because they're <laughs> identical. But uh, Colding, well-deserved out of the centre. Well done, old boy. The other winger, number five, Nature Strip. What else can you say? This old boy is the ultimate professional. A veteran now, six Group 1 wins. He added the lightning stakes and a second TJ Smith to his resume this prep. He proved that he's still the quickest bloke in, on any rugby league field and he needs to be respected. He has to be. He demands it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like your big Fijian winger, Nature Strip. Oh, yeah. He's a big, big Fast, strong. Semi-Raj Bra-Bra. Yeah, he is. Michaeli Rabawala. (laughs) All right, 5'8 position and the captain of the side. One of the stars of the lineup who is extremely versatile. Too versatile. Too versatile. Can go forward, can go back, can be in the midfield. Can chew her head off. She can. She plays up a bit and early on in her career, she played up a lot. She's a bit of a rascal. But she's put it together, and now she's a genuine, genuine star of the game. Controls the tempo of the game, you know, just like she controls the tempo of the races she's in. She doesn't mind a scrap. Steps up to the big stage when needed. Real Cameron Munster type. Yeah. Real Wally Lewis type. Our captain, very elegant in the five eighth position. Well deserved. Multiple Group One wins. Yes, congratulations. Mm. Nothing. No more horse is more deserving of yeah. pulling on the six. The seven, our halfback, the general, Probabil. What a star. Absolute star. Class from start to finish. Yep. Although she did not get the swung song she would have liked, she had an unbelievable regular season. <laughs> Nathan Cleary type. <laughs> yeah. 
Her early season form proved that she is the most elite middle distance horse in this in this country. However, there is still room to improve when playing some wet weather footy. Um, but yeah, she's going. I reckon she'd be the one knocking them knocking them over. Yeah, she would be. Um, she's vice captain for sure, probably. Yeah, hundred percent. She's a real Alfie Langer type. Yes. Right, first front row position number eight, Sir Dragonette. One of those front rowers who thought he could probably make a good second rower, maybe a lock or five eighth type, <laughs> but he's just an out and out front rower. Of course he is. He won the Tancred over twenty four hundred meters. He loses condition quickly, and needs to be rock hard fit. Otherwise, he's just ineffective. He loses his mind very quickly too. He does. But I tell you what, when he's in form, when he's rock hard fit, he's absolutely devastating. So Real- many. PCMs, oh. post-contact meters. Yeah, real Josh Papali type. Yeah. When Papa's out of form, he's bad, stinky. Yeah. yeah. When he's in form, no one else you want in the front row. So, well done, Sir Dragonette. 100%. Our nine to uh, round out the spine is Lions Raw. This is arguably very self-indulgent, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this bloke is the heart and soul of, heart and soul of this football side. Lions Raw will be a veteran of this side for years to come. <laughs> his win in the Randwick Guineas showed he, he was mature beyond his years. He is a versatile galloper that can adapt to the playing conditions presented to him. He can run all day and be proactive when needed. A real 40, uh, 40-20 type. Yeah, he is. How to dummy half. Yep. And real <laughs> 40 to 50 tackles every game. 100%. Oh, I'll tell you what. Yeah, well, the other prop uh, goes to Holmesman. Yes. Just a workman's type front rower. Hard position to fill. <laughs> no ball playing ability. No. Nah. But just he'll glue up the middle. A genuine nut defense. trucker. Yeah. Just trucks nut from point A to point B. <laughs> he'll make your meters through the middle. <laughs> yeah. You're you're looking at eight to ten meters every time he runs the ball. Does the hard yards. Real Shane Webkey type. So yeah. well done to Homesman. Absolutely. Look, first position in the second row. A Dave. Gee, tough, tough, tough. A hard-as-nails galloper who is just willing to get the hard yakka done. Uncle Willie, was, he was nervous about running him in the big dance, but gee whiz, did he prove that he was an elite middle-distance horse. Rugby league player, even. <laughs> He'll run all day for this team. Um, under duress, he'll look like he's spent, but he'll just keep running all damn day. Yeah, you, you need an Adabe in your side. Absolutely. You always need an Adabe. A token international player. Yeah. And the uh, the other second rower, three-year-old, Hungry Heart. Forced her way into she, p- yeah. selection. Look she, look, she showed signs early on in her uh, rugby league career that she was going to be promising, but she just couldn't quite put it all together. But uh, she's a bit erratic. Some inconsistent training off the field led to inconsistent performances on the field. But she's really sharpened up this off-season. She's stayed away from the party lifestyle. She's got her head screwed on. So that culminated in two Group 1 wins this prep. She reminds me a lot of an up-and-coming player, Jaden Sewer. He was let go of the Broncos for being a bit too much of a party boy. But he's gone down south with the Rabbits. And now he's played Origin and he's playing super footy. So hungry heart, up-and-coming, superstar. Well done for making the side. Congratulations. And the last player in this lineup and the glue of this lineup is the all-star Maya winner, Mugger 2. Look, he had two runs this prep. 
both at the mile and his second run should have been at the 2,000 metres. And that's why he needs to be in the 13. (laughs) (laughs) He arguably won the race of the autumn uh, in Melbourne. And he, gee, didn't he deliver on the biggest stage? He doesn't care about the conditions. He can do it all. Um, He just pulls his socks up and gets the job done. Well done, Mugger too. And the coach? Billy Haggis. Uh, look, he, Billy Haggis deserves to be the coach because he really emulates the great Wayne Bennett. Doesn't talk a big game. Actually, you know what? It was one of the great, one of the great uh, shy aways from the media during the lead up to the Queen Elizabeth when he said, oh, no. yeah. oh, I probably scratched it if it wasn't so far away, talking about a Dave, his horse, because it was going to be a good track. And he, got, he spooked the track managers out at Randwick. They chucked a bit more water on it, so it was playing like a soft five, soft six. One of the great media plays ever, Billy Unbelievable. Haggis. So, you know what? Full respect to him uh, for bringing out a couple of horses. Uh, Favourite Moon also didn't, although didn't get the chockies in the group one, won a race. Adabe came second in the Ranvit and first in the Queen Elizabeth. So, you know what? I think he's the type who's going to really fire up the troops pre-race. He's going to settle them down at half time. He's going to pull off a master stroke like Wayne Bennett did in the State of Origin series last year. So, well done, Billy Haggis. If Hungry Heart's playing up, he'll deflect. Oh, cool. So, look, if you haven't noticed already, punters, we aren't that enthused by racing at Morfittville. So, that's <laughs> why we've done this little thing. So, But that's our first team of the autumn. We'll probably do this for the winter, the spring. We'll do it. Pretty much all year round, but imagine if that was your stable. Like those thirteen horses were in your stable. It, you, <laughs> you're the win. greatest of all time. Yeah, <laughs> you've won like twenty five Group Ones. <laughs> Great yeah. stuff, Jeez. But I'm sure some of you are wanting us to move on to the good stuff and get our unqualified opinion about the Group Ones. So, the first Group One of the day at Morfordville is the Sangster Stakes, now known as the Tab Classic. Uh, 1,200 metres, way for age for fillies and mares. Only race for fillies and mares over the 1,200 metres at the Group One level. Um, yeah. What do you think of this one? Because there's 16 horses in the field. I counted about 12 chances. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you this much for free, mate. If it was a soft track... I'd be all over my girl, Ruby Saki, like a rash. <laughs> but regardless of the track conditions, I still think she runs a cracking race. I'm glad to hear that. At $16, I tell you what, punters, launching from that barrier, she is a great, great bet. Forget her spring. Just, she doesn't like racing in the spring. No. Doesn't want to waste her time. She's an autumn filly. Of course, mare even. Of course she is. She's a man now. Look, her return, she only ran seventh, but she got held up from about the 400 to the 200 metre uh, and she just couldn't get out. Once she finally did, she charged home like a freight train. So, if it was a soft deck, like I said, I'd be all over her. I still think she runs a good race, but she's not my on toppy. But, um, mate, in this race, I want something that's drawn pretty well and I want something that's on pace. And there's a horse that's drawn really well first barrier loves a good deck and has nice group one form leading into this race and that's number two mizzy interesting she'll be nice uh and on pace from the 
first barrier. Um, she's got form around Savatiano and Mask Crusader. Savatiano just ran second in the All Age with Mask Crusader, obviously having uh, a great prep, as we alluded to in the first thirteen of the Autumn Carnival. <laughs> Uh, ran second uh, to Crone in the Coolmore Classic. Forget her run in George Ryder. Uh, she drew pretty wide there, and that was on a soft seven, which wasn't suitable. Goes well at the distance. Loves a good track. Uh, treated super well at the weights for Phillies and Mare age group. I think she's got the class in this race. So I think Mizzy's a great bet at $7.50. I put a line through Liz. Uh- Lizzie, uh, Mizzy, uh, just because the distance. I thought it was strange, um, her going back to the 1,200 metres, but I do concede she's had brilliant prep. Mm. So, if she won, she wouldn't really surprise me. I've gone for a rough in this race. Yeah. Number 13, Paul's Regret. That is rough. It is real rough. It's $34 on the screen in front of me. Um, might be a weird flex, but this this race threw up Bella Vella last year at 40 bucks. It did, yeah. So, it can bring that sort of uh, form to it. I think this filly, uh, Mare even, is suited at the distance, good track suits. First up, she was um, within earshot. She just lost a probable by about a length. So, I think over the 1,200 metres as well. So, I think she is... Up to her ears here. Um, I'd probably wait until later on the day because she could blow out to any old price. But, um, yeah, balls of regret for mine. From barrier three, should sit be in the first four. She she looks a really tough mare, so I'm happy to have her on top. Declan Bates, great jockey. Yeah, <laughs> Declan. The imposter. <laughs> um, yeah, look, fair enough, mate. I can't even say I looked at that horse, but... Um, yeah, just had a quick look at its prep and form leading into this. Loves a good track, loves a distance. Yeah, form around Probabil is, is good form. Uh, should sit probably just behind uh, Mizzy, I think, out of the barriers. So, yeah, on pace horse and 1,200 metres, definitely something you want. Uh, other chances for mine, obviously, I've given Ruby Saki a big spruik. I think at those odds, she's definitely worth a bet, punters. I think Instant Celebrity should go well here. Uh, yeah. First up, first up, it ran fourth uh, to Montesira. Uh, prior to that, its last prep, it was up there with the best fillies of the age group. Uh, you've got it running um, first in the 1,000 guineas prelude, beating personal, and then it ran third in the 1,000 guineas to Odium and personal. So, look, I think it should go pretty well. My concern is it going back uh, in this race and finding its way uh, around all of these horses. I also think the fillies aren't treated super well at the weights in this race. So mm. that's my concern with her, but um, that's my top three. Uh, Mizzy, Ruby Saki, and Instant Celebrity. Yeah, fair enough. Have to chuck her in. Brooklyn Hustle? Of course you do. So she's my runner-up in this race. Gee, I'd love her to draw a gate sometime. Oh, my God. She has the most... like. Back markers, yeah, you go, like, oh, yeah, that's fine if they draw wide, but she just get, takes herself out of calculation way too much. Yeah. Um, gets a good track, which suits, uh, and she's been freshened up six weeks. So, she does her very best racing when she's rock hard, fi- um, not rock hard, but fresh. Fresh Nice as. and fresh. Mark Zara takes the ride. So, if it gets a bit 
uh, down and dirty. He's he's the one you want on board. Of course, to chuck Rubisaki in. Of course, you go did. in. So, yeah, that's my trifecta. Don't pay anything. Yeah, I've done a few of those recently, and none of them will come off. <laughs> so uh, maybe your luck will change in Morphville, mate. But maybe. Um, there's a couple other horses, like you said, in, in here that are a chance. Uh, Lyle? Lyle will run a top four race for sure. <laughs> Not win though. Nah. <laughs> the Australasian Oaks. So two thousand meter, two thousand meter set weights. Uh, previous winners have been Princess Jenny, Egg Tart, and last year was Toffee Tongue, who was a maiden in the race. So in this race, winning form is good form. Eight of the last eight last start winners have been successful since two thousand eight, which is a pretty impressive start. I thought this race was wide open. What are your thoughts? I agree, mate. There's a lot of chances in this race for mine. There's probably three horses that I'm looking at that I, I can't split to win. All have uh, slightly different form lines. Look, I think the good thing about this race is over the 2,000 metres, there'll be plenty of pace early on. Morphville track's pretty wide and swooping, so I think all your horses are probably going to get a decent chance regardless of barrier uh, and their racing pattern. Uh, yeah, so for me, it was it was really hard to find something that um, that really stood out. I'm, look, the three I'm tossing up are number 10, Flexible, the Godolphin Horse, uh, number 12, Brook Spire, uh, the Waller Horse, and number 13, Steinem, uh, Maren Eustace Horse. So, Flexible, Pikey on board, which is as good a tick as any uh, nowadays, Uh <laughs> Ran behind Juais and Bargain in the Adrian Knox. Juais and Bargain ran second and third uh, in the following week in the Oaks. I think so. Behind Hungry Heart. That's pretty good form. Concern for mine is the good track hasn't really had that much of an opportunity. Could absolutely thrive. Uh, is out of Hallowed Crown. So Hallowed Crown is the same as Avilius. And the likes of them, pretty sure. So, might prefer a bit of a wet track. But yeah, flexible could be a chance. Brooks Spire, I think Chris Waller's got a pretty decent record in this race. As usual, Toffee Tongue is a Waller horse. Yeah, won its last start over 1,600 meters. Uh, prior to that, was in the Kemble Grange Classic, uh, but it drew the car park. So, forget that. Ran third to Harmony Rose a few weeks prior. So, he's got some pretty good form. Mm. Michael Walker on board. Uh, should be right on pace from Barrier 7. Yeah, I think Brooks buys a pretty good chance. And then Steinem was odds-on favourite last start. Uh, watched the replay. Drew basically the car park. Had to come around. Around the last bend onto the straight was caught widest on the track and still came home really well to run fourth. Prior to that, has got two wins, so... Quite a green horse, but I think launching from barrier one will suit. Yeah, I, I really can't split the three of them. I'll have to choose one before the day, but gee whiz. Yeah, I went Steinem on top. Mm. My use is 2,000 meters, John McNeil. Tick, tick, tick. Bang. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think over this distance, my use to stable is just elite at getting them right. Um, I went flexible as the main danger. For mine, um, I did didn't mind her last start run, um, and yeah, form franked by Bargain and Dwayne, if that is indeed Dwayne, Dwayne, and um, 
One of the key lead-offs is the Aurora Stakes and uh, over the 1,800 metres at Morfittville. And the horse that won that is $21, Taichi Goddess. Mm. Um, so, I don't know why she's so disrespected, but um, I think she can definitely win as well. Mm. Yeah, fair. So, that is another trifecta that's going to pay absolutely anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like how we both sacked personal. Well, she's done a dash. Yeah. But she could very well win this. She could. So she could. And I lost the chances in this, but um yeah, sorry pundits for not being more specific with my picks, but I certainly will be come Saturday. Maybe personal needs her Melbourne leg. Maybe that's why she did so hor- horrifically. Maybe she does, yeah. Um so if you like her punters, can't knock her. Good track is what she needs. Uh, she's won at the over the distance. Longer than the distance, so yeah. If you like her, don't knock her. Um, How about the Tasmanian horse? Seven from seven starts. This is a lot tougher, but you can't it's knock winning form. Start its starting price profile: a dollar oh three, a dollar oh nine, a dollar forty, a dollar sixty five, a dollar ninety five. Yeah, ridiculous. So different gravy, but wouldn't probably surprise. It'll go forward. Create its own luck. We'll see. Yeah, just hard to hard to say, but it has won over the distance. But it's probably brinking, beating the Brisbane Broncos at this <laughs> stage. Um, beautiful onto the juicy stakes where we're raising money for Corbo's sister Kirby, uh, who's in a battle with cancer at the moment. So if you want to donate, hit our link in bio on Instagram or the show notes of this podcast. I'm gonna let you. Oh, before we get stuck in, mate, we have to review how we went. Mm. So, our value play of the day, both of us was Colding, who won, he just showed ticker. Big tick. Won his way into our autumn 13. Uh, each way. I had Rohirin, which uh, faded with Jamie Carr on board, so no good there. Elizabeth looked the winner at the 100, and she just got run down. So, she ran a good race, thought she'd be an absolute moral to run top three, and she did. Well, that's good. Uh, my best bet, Antente, uh, mm. was no good either. Just faded as well. Yeah, he faded big mm, time. Big time. So, that's a real shame. And but, Halal lost to the only horse I was scared of in the race, Captivant. So, that sounds about right. Yeah. On to this week. Your value play of the day. Yeah, well, I thought Flexible uh, was a stupid price in the Australasian Oaks. He's about 15 bucks. She, rather. Is fifteen bucks at the moment, so uh, yeah, I think a nice, nice bet there. Included in all your exotics, beautiful. Paul's regret, thirty-four bucks. That's a roughie by any stretch of the imagination. It's definitely rough. Race eight, number thirteen. Bang. Uh, each way. Uh, yeah, in the Tab Classic or the Robert Sangster Stakes, uh, Mizzy. Yep, seven dollars fifty. So seven bucks a field, isn't it? Close to. Close six, to. Yeah, six bucks. Yeah. Beautiful. Great betting. Uh, yeah, great betting race. All right, I'm going... I'm breaking the rules. Uh, Steinem, race eight, number... Th- it's not race eight. Uh, Steinem in the feature. Um, I reckon no. So, hold on. What have I done here? Paul's Regret is race seven, number 13, I think. It's race yeah. seven. It's in the Sangster. Paul's Regret. Anyway, Steinem. <laughs> Steinem in the uh, Oaks... Look, it's 440. I'm hoping it drifts out. Uh, so, that is my each way play of the day. 
Fair enough. Uh, my best bet of the day uh, is actually in Adelaide in race five. It's paying $6.50. Uh, number four, Thousand Wishes. Oh. Horse that we spruiked, or maybe I spruiked, oh, I can't remember, on the podcast definitely spruiked a it. while ago when it was about 50 bucks when we're talking about it on the podcast, it ran fourth. Mm. Uh, since then, has gone okay. First up this prep, it won uh, on a good three in Caulfield. Loses three kegs for this race, goes up in distance, loves a good track. Looks to be no early pace in this race, but Thousand Wishes goes forward. So, hoping she can uh, dictate the pace and come home. She's not the favourite in the race, but uh, I think she's a cracking bet at $6.50. So, maybe we'll get some value for our first ever all-up victory, mate. Wouldn't that be the case? Uh, In good health, she is a bloody tough mare and she does race on pace. So, I think she's the danger in that race, but hopefully I'm wrong. Best bet of the day, race six at Morfittville, number two, Bo Rosser, one of my favorites. He's probably my favorite horse from Adelaide, to be honest. Um, this horse has an elite turn of foot. Um, barrier two, I think, suits. He can sit closer in the run, and if he gets um, if he gets clear running, then he'll be running him down. Big query is dropping back from 1,600 to 1,200, so... Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, punters, I'm not that confident this weekend at all. So, <laughs> if you're using my knowledge and judgment, then you're in you're in strife. I'll back it all up, though. I could pay anything. Yeah, it could, but we've been burned before. <laughs> a few times. A few times. Okay, I think that's about it. Yeah, mate. Congratulations to our Autumn 13. Um, oh, I'm sure they're stoked. Uh, I'm sure the connections are stoked. It's going to increase... Well, they're asking prices. Uh, if any of them aren't geldings. Sir Dragonet? Yeah. It's the spruik they needed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah, well well done all involved. It was fun, mate. It was. It was fun. Hopefully, everyone took it in the jest that it was meant for because <laughs> even if you didn't, we're doing it again anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. whether you like it or not. Yes. We might do something different next week just because the Adelaide racing is not getting me up and about. So, <laughs> I do like top five calls over the, yeah. over the autumn or something. We can do that. I haven't thought that through because I don't know how to play the audio. So, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Okay. All right. All the best this weekend, punters. Thanks, punters. Go Ruby Saki. <laughs>